Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to talk about how many people have the wrong comparison point when they are assessing how their life after divorce might change. Um, and this cognitive distortion can really prevent you from seeing, um, you know, clearly what your life may be like and making decisions that reflect that. And we will get into that, right, as soon as I tell you to subscribe. The uh, most recent one is on how telling your husband how dysfunctional he is hurts the marriage. So something that um, you wouldn't think I'd need to do a podcast about, but I really do. <laughs> uh, that one is pretty funny and um, and accurate and insightful and really just, I mean, awesome. It's magnificent. But um, there's that and also the oral sex on women. If I can't convince you to subscribe with how awesome this most recent one was, there's always that one and all of the others. Okay, so anyway, um, I have a lot of people who are in unhappy marriages and they want to get out, but they have um, a lot of fears about that, which is totally normal and um, expected when you're going to have a big life transition or planning on one or deciding whether you're going to have one, especially given children in the mix. So there are various things that people do. So so they when they compare what their life's going to be like after divorce, it's almost like they forget the marriage that they're currently in and they're comparing the marriage the the divorce rather to a happy marriage which they're not in so let me give you an example so somebody be like I can't get divorced even though my husband and I scream at each other all the time um we're obviously unhappy the it's super toxic for the kids etc because I would only see the kids half the time and I'm like okay how often you see the kids now? Oh, I see them all the time. Yeah, really? Because you told me that because y'all can't stand each other, you pretty much divide everything. So you divide everything half and half. He does the morning. You do the evening pretty much. He's downstairs playing video games in the evening and you try to uh, just get up, shower and dress and go to work in the morning because then y'all don't have to interact. (laughs) This is not an uncommon situation to do shift work here with the kids. And or the time that you think that you're quote, with the kids, you are on your phone, you're having a couple too many glasses of wine, you are very unhappy and basically not present because you're unhappy in the marriage. So, I mean, (laughs) you're not really there. So the thing is, is when people um, compare seeing kids half the time, this is just one example, they're thinking about a world in which they're in um, a happy marriage and both people are present and interdependent and parenting as a unit. They do so much together. It's really fun. The vacations do not devolve into bullshit fighting and yelling, etc. However, that's not the situation that they're in The situation that they're in is either frequently, half the time, they really do split the kids, basically, maybe not exactly half, maybe the mother has some more, but increasingly, it's kind of half, and or one takes one kid, one takes the other kid, which is a situation that can continue in an amicable divorce afterwards, by the way. Um, Like, for example, 
uh, you take the kid to a birthday party on your husband's weekend. This is very frequent that people can be amicable enough to do this because nobody wants to take the kid to the birthday party. So if you advertise that you're available, guess who might let you do it, you know? But this is obviously individual. Some people are way too conflictual after the marriage to even do that. But in that case, how's it going now? What's probably happening is that in your mind, you're comparing it to taking a kid to a birthday party. You are happy, relaxed. You meet eyes across the the room, etc. with your kid. They really know that you're there. In reality, if you're in a super toxic, conflictual marriage, you're not meeting any eyes. You're taking that time to be on your phone, like pull up your Reddit for, you know, moms who are deciding to divorce or whatever, um, you know, confide in your friend. That's another parent there about the shit that's going on. You're not really present in the way that you think you are if you're very unhappy is my point. Here's another one. People always think that they might be lonely. Are you not currently lonely? I mean, really, just having another person in the house with whom you don't get along, that does not stop anybody from being lonely. In fact, can make you more lonely. I've written a post about that called Loneliness in Marriage. And that's, in fact, a very common reason that people get divorced is that they feel lonely, but somehow they think they're going to be lonelier afterward. And in this case, again, they're like comparing the post-divorce life to some fictional life that unfortunately you're not in. But it's un- it's unfortunate that you're not in it in a very interdependent, loving, connected marriage. But it- it do not add insult to injury and make decisions based on as though you're in this marriage because you are not. And if you decide not to divorce in order to, um, you know, somehow not be lonely or see the kids more than you are actually feeling or seeing them or what have you, you know, I mean, let's be real. Then you're not making decisions based on reality. Another one is frequently the money. And I'll tell you, things get divided. People survive. This is no longer a situation where, um, People don't get child support or, for you know, I mean, at least in, in the people that I see, nobody's being taken to jail for not paying child support. People pay child support readily and um, many people get alimony. Men and women get alimony. Obviously more women still. I think that's going to go away. I think it's going to even out. I see many more women who are the primary breadwinner. Um, either way, the point is uh, it's it's very, very hard to get divorced. Super hard, sure. But at least do not do any crazy shit in your mind that is stopping you from seeing the true comparison point. I'll be real. There's a lot of people that parent a lot better when they see the kids half the time. This means nothing bad about you. I've said over and over and over that our society is is real weird now. It used to be very interconnected, interdependent with extended family around. People could give the kid to their mother, to their aunt, to their sister. Everybody's hanging out. It's not like that. Now, it's uh, pretty isolated, and if you are one-on-one with, with your kids, that's kind of like your worst self, usually. Sounds like it should go well, it goes to shit. <laughs> so frequently, right? Because you're tapped out, you're stressed, and you're, you know, you get burned out from being alone with them all the time. And if you are in an unhappy marriage, then you, when you are with them, you know, you're also facing the stressor of the conflict and all of this stuff that's always on your mind, so you can't even be fully present. 
So am I saying this as like a commercial for getting divorced? Certainly not. Um, people should, I mean, I'm a couples counselor. I'm not a divorce attorney, right? I, w- I want people to stay together if they want to stay together. I help them. But there are many people that come in particularly with open conflict in front of the children. This stresses the kids the fuck out. And if the parents are, if their anxiety and their cognitive distortions are stopping them from seeing that the current status quo is not good for the children. And in fact, the kids might be better in a situation where there was not open and active hostility and conflict, then my job is to kind of clear that up with individual clients as well as with with you guys, because I talk to you as though you're my clients. So um, what's another one? This is my favorite one, because this is so easy to disprove in like I mean, not to, you got to be in it to see, but when people say they wouldn't find another partner, yeah, really? You wouldn't find another partner? These millions of people <laughs> looking for relationships. This is like the number one human drive is to pair bond. I see this all the time. I'll tell you, my job is so good for like understanding main effects of like what makes people tick. Everybody wants to find somebody. Yeah, sure. There's like maybe a few months after a divorce where people just want to fuck around, um, you know, maybe have casual sex. Even then, if those men met the right woman, guess what? Guess who's pair bonded? You know, another prairie vole happens. They're the pair bonding mammal. Um, although it was shown in some sort of research that prairie voles cheat on each other, which was very upsetting. But anyway, um, the, the point being, if you want to find a partner after divorce, it's not hard. And as I've said, particularly in the age of dating apps, if you really feel you want to find another partner. Now, you may be ambivalent. This is something that I run into. It's people who are avoidantly attached say it's going to be hard for them to find another partner. Man, it's hard for you to keep the partner that you're in because you're avoiding attachment. And I say man, colloquially. Girl, man, dude, bro. Bro seems to be used, um, you know, regardless of gender or sex. So, bro, it's going to be hard for you to find somebody no matter what if you're a difficult person to be with and or you're ambivalent about commitment and relationships. So this is, this is happening currently. It's probably a major contributor to your relational difficulties. So you got a choice. You can either try to work on yourself and then you would be open to a new relationship or, and this is not bad, you could say, I'm not the kind of person that really wants to be in a relationship, honestly, after divorce, if I think about it, because I don't really want to be in this relationship. I really want to live the life of a lone wolf and have my hobbies and my friends and my career and my kids and do what the fuck I want, when the fuck I want. And maybe society's telling me I have to be pair bonded, but I'm not a prairie bull. I'm a lone wolf or wolfette. And that's how I roll. That is not a bad decision to make also, and therapy can really help you see if you're the sort of person that wants to take some time for yourself, and maybe one of the main problems within your relationship is that the other person's trying to like get blood from a stone, and you're mismatched, they're preoccupied attachment, you're avoided, you don't want them to be up your ass, and you don't really want anybody to be up your ass. But in that case, certainly don't say that you're not going to find anybody after divorce. You could, but you would have to work on yourself. Now, those people with avoidant attachment or ambivalence about relationships or tremendous anxiety about relationships, so it could be the other side, it could be the preoccupied attachment people, um, 
In that case, what does it look like? Every time you go on a date, you assume it's going to be Mr. or Miss Wright. You immediately start planning the wedding and they get turned off. So if that's you, preoccupied attachment, again, it's not helping your current relationship either, you know, and so work on it within you. If you can't salvage the current one, work on it anyway, and then you could get into a different one. The Yes, you may have to work on yourself in order to find people, but the people are out there. There's loads of people looking for partners is like the number one thing that people do. It's like the number one imperative evolutionarily is to mate. So people of all ages and, you know, all types of people find somebody. Again, especially in the age of of dating apps, not to be overly practical, but you have access to like a fuckload of people. That is the mathematical term, a fuckload of people. And I mean, It's again, it's better than staying in a situation that fucking sucks and comparing it to something that theoretically doesn't suck, but you're not in that situation. You're in the one that sucks, unfortunately. So if you can work on the current relationship and stay married, happily, happily married, this is good. If you want to be somebody who can limit conflict to the point and that you do not fight anymore and it is a major value of yours to be in an intact home and and you're not creating terrible conflict in front of the kids and you want to live a separate life kind of and focus on your own stuff and then when the kids are out of the house you can think about divorce again. This is your value system. Decide. Like I can't decide that. You know, you got a point <laughs> if you're in that situation. They have shown that when there is not active conflict, then, yeah, it's worse for kids for parents. Listen, the research shows it's worse for kids to be in a, in a divorced home than an intact home unless the two divorced homes are calmer and better than the other one. Unless it's two happy homes versus one unhappy home. And do kids notice if you're not um, supremely spiritually fulfilled? No, they don't. Like, so, so don't convince yourself that. That's not true. However, does that mean you don't deserve to be happy? No, that also doesn't mean that. So if you are very unhappy, but it's like a quiet unhappiness, you do deserve to be happy. You can work on this in therapy. I mean, don't like tell yourself that your kids are going to thrive and be really like so happy that you're like finding your best self because they're not. They're going to be blindsided by the divorce because it happened in the absence of open conflict. But they can, you know, kids are resilient. And as long as there are two happy homes afterwards to go to, they can kind of be, they, they can heal and they can move forward in their lives and who knows maybe one day they will think that it was good that you um divorced and are living your best life but what the research does show and what anecdotal evidence from loads and loads and loads of clients shows as well corroborating the research is that if there is open conflict that the children witness that is causing them daily stress then it is better not to be together and in that case those are the people that I'm talking to that it's it's definitive that when you remove active stress from a child's life they do better so the and and everybody all of us who grew up in super conflictual homes know this because other people that that grew up like in the more unhappy quiet homes where they never were sure if their parents got along or not or whatever they don't believe this but anybody in an open conflictual home um does believe this that frequently um you say to the parents 
divorce, you know? And like people don't believe it, but like I have so many clients that I personally experience this where you say to parents, or to at least the one that you talk to or are close to, why don't you leave? It would be so much better if you left. Come on, you're so unhappy. You're fighting all the time. This is terrible. And so there are kids who actively encourage the parents to leave one another because even the fucking five-year-old knows, you know, that it's bad. You know, and if you are in that situation, you really got only two options. You can massively fix the marriage or you can leave. An an option is not remaining in a situation. Unfortunately, it is an option, an option too many people take. But I'm saying a healthy option is not remaining in an actively conflictual home because of fear of change and fear that it will somehow be worse and then expecting that your child will thrive and be healthy anyway despite seeing active daily conflict. They don't. Or active bi-weekly conflict, like whatever the hell, you know, like active conflict. So anyhow, uh, when you are thinking about your life after divorce, the reality is if you move into a calmer, happier space, you can be present with your children. Maybe it's half the time, but is it not kind of like that now Um, in an unhappy marriage? Probably. I mean, take away even the times that you guys are arguing and the kids are doing whatever the fuck they're doing in the other room. You're trying to convince yourself they're fine when they're playing XYZ, you know, extra video games because you guys just have to make the last point with one another. You know, if that's the situation, think about how much it's really going to change in terms of time spent and what the quality of the time may be if you are not embroiled in active um, hostility and conflict such that you cannot even concentrate on the children. And of course, I've uh, also spoken to other issues that people have as a mistaken comparison point as well, including the loneliness, including the finances. Again, most people can make this work, especially in the age of of division of assets. Um, But you know, I'm not your financial planner, but I am somebody who knows that, you know, certain things are priceless, including your children's ability to function in the world, not seeing parents who hate one another. Um, All right. Hopefully this uh, opened your eyes to certain things, or at least gave you a little bit of food for thought. That is my goal in all of these is to give you some sort of alternate way of viewing your situation. And I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye-bye.